tonight, only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift, the Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Streaming tonight, only on Disney+. Plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Season 2, Episode 3 of Six Feet Under. The plan is over, but we're just getting started here on post-show recaps. That's right, it's a Six Feet Under podcast. We are revisiting the critically acclaimed HBO series, episode by episode. My name is Ariel, and joining me as always is my co-host. She is known as the Eleanor of Aquitaine, her Candace Bovard. Um, Candace Bovard. Yes, I uh that's my that's my given name. Um no, it's me. It's Dr. Amanda. I I hear that these podcasts go long and there's no bathroom breaks, so I brought a jar. <laughs> I don't know if that is that do you think that's a good solution? That's so classy of you. Uh just as it was for fruit to say it. What an incredible incredible mm. moment and you better believe that we're going to get to it and talk about it uh today talking about this episode. I have to say, this was a great episode. Like, this is a great show that you and I love talking about and really enjoy watching. But holy crap, I was not ready for the for the complete emotional wallop that this episode was. I I I was like 
I was enthralled. I was so happy. If you follow the plan, Ariel, it works. You're <laughs> you, now now you are ready to start rebuilding your house. Listen, all these they sound really expensive. Like talking, knocking it down, yeah. putting it back up. Who are you hiring? You have to yeah. like, is it a union thing? You have to fill out the right forms. You have to have the right permits. Like, no, I'm not lot. going in for all that. I'm just gonna get like a new house plan and maybe like an area rug. We we we're not we're not doing any structural changes. Here. I'm going smaller. I'm gonna get like a little bowl and get the snack size snickers and just put them in the middle of the room and that will be my upgrade oh snickers go a long way <laughs> incredible um yeah this was a wonderful wonderful episode i had so much fun watching mm -hmm. it um directed by rose troche uh, apologies for the mispronunciation written by kate robin uh, should we get to the quick plot recap so we can get to the to the good yeah, stuff? Yeah, we can. Yeah, I mean, so you you love this episode. This was yes. like this was a, a highlight so far of season for two sure. For you. Season two, yeah. yeah, for me. How'd you yeah. feel? I I love this too. I mean, really, it's like on my checklist. It's like, do we get an eight senior appearance? Do we get some like cosmic view of mortality check? Um, and then we get a great. Uh, Ruth breakdown and we also get you know little baby Claire that we all want to take care of it's like this really was firing on all cylinders yeah I think the the Ruth part especially with her hair looking that particular way so frazzled she gets so disheveled That's she the gets thing about so the disheveled up, the updo it's like yeah. it's <laughs> If when it starts to come down <laughs> that's how you know that's how you know um Incredible, incredible moments. That's how you know it's time for us to get to the recap. Here we mm. go. The plan. The Fishers aren't the only ones having uh, conversations with dead people, apparently, as psychic widow Eileen, who we meet, needs uh, the the aid of her late husband to help arrange the funeral for this episode. There's that uh, really sad scene that we'll talk about in the beginning when, uh, when she's still talking to him, quote unquote, in real life. The fishermen are quite judgmental of her given that they have conversations with their late father and others who pass through the funeral home doors and then lie to each other about it. Mm -hmm. uh, this episode centers around lying, speaking of, lying to others, lying for others, and most importantly, lying to oneself. Uh, let's start with Claire because no one ever starts with Claire. Oh. Poor Claire. I'll never forget you, Claire, ever. Poor Claire is still lying for Gabe at the beginning of the episode because she loves him, question mark, uh, and also because she wants to be needed. Totally understandable. Gabe has held up the store at gunpoint, this hanging thread that we keep talking about, and also stolen bombing fluid from the Fishers, but Claire won't tell the police the truth when asked. That is until a drug-addled Gabe calls her for a ride late at night and attempts to shoot a man in the car next to him. This is completely ridiculous. Claire finally can't take it anymore and goes to her brothers. And thankfully, Keith is also there because of David. Keith is incredible. I can't wait to talk about that. Speaking of Keith, though, David and him are still racquetball buddies. Ooh. Actual racquetball. <laughs> Not what it used to stand for. Uh, Keith does say that Eddie has poor depth perception. This is, so this is why he doesn't play 
racquetball with them is that enough to give david a second chance with keith i love oh. how how david gives like the most evil like smile like oh <laughs> that's too bad yeah this is definitely his dexter origin story uh speaking of failing relationships Brenda and Nate haven't had sex in a little while, nearly four weeks, but who's counting? It's Nate. Nate is absolutely counting. It's not just the physical closeness Nate is seeking, though. Brenda rejects him at every turn, and she's too busy going up against a professorial version of herself in her ethics class that she's taking for fun, question mark, according to Jess. Nate continually lies to himself about the seriousness of his AVM, but also can't help but wonder about the specifics of an afterlife. Lastly, uh, we'll chat about the one person who confronts the truth head on in this episode. It's Ruth. Ruth is uh, attending the self-help seminar that Robbie introduced her to, the aforementioned plan. Uh, Ruth eventually tires of being chastised and lets loose with a rant against her British orator person. But it's about her family and uh, the class itself and even Robbie her there apparently that was exactly what she needed to do though she has leveled up her flea bag hovel this outburst uh but it does feel like a breakthrough breakthrough for our Ruth. love all of that and that's what happened where should we start well i think that like just you know just gave a nod to nobody ever starts with claire mm-hmm. so let's start with claire <laughs> with claire this was a tough this was a tough episode for claire yeah and we saw you know we saw her take a big step at the end of last episode mm -hmm. but uh, certainly in the beginning of this episode it feels like a little bit of maybe a half step a half measure she doesn't you know for understandable reasons especially at that age she doesn't want to give gave up when the when the cop shows up i love that those the scenes of her looking at her guidance counselor and like yeah. feeling so betrayed that like the cop was in there and you get the sense that he didn't really have a say. Yeah. Um, some really good stuff there. But uh, yeah, it's it's a really frustrating yet, unfortunately, for me, at least like pretty understandable. I don't, you know, I, I still question some of the choices that she makes, but like ultimately she's doing things because she feels like she should and obviously that leads her astray and she does recognize it by by the end of the episode but like mm -hmm. i wanted to stay like in this initial phase with her before we get to the part that made me cry at the end yeah yeah um well at first we find out through her sessions with guidance counselor gary mm -hmm. that um that Gabe hasn't spoken to her in two weeks. So after mm -hmm. that scene where she kind of breaks up with him, he disappears. He's not at school. Um, and, you know, it's like Claire took a stand, but she's like just, a, a, what did we think she is? 17 years old. Like she's, she's just like a teenager. Yeah. As she says, it sucks to be basically in love with a guy who's too effed up for life. And she still has sympathy for Gabe because of his family. Um, and she thought that, you know, if he if he had somebody like her that cared about him, that that would be enough to change him, Ariel. Yeah. She thought that love could change him. Oh, true love's first kiss. Yeah, I, it's again it's so relatable and like so mm -hmm. hard to 
to watch her be told, you know, that like very hard lesson to learn in a situation like this, especially of you can one, it's you can't save everyone. And two, it's not your responsibility to more importantly, yeah. it's even as much as it f- might feel emotionally like it is because you have opened yourself up to this person. Mm-hmm. You can't sometimes yeah. save these people, especially with someone like him who like very clearly doesn't want to be saved. Ultimately, when you look yeah. at, all, at all of his actions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, this aspect of Claire's personality is so relatable in the discord recently. Somebody asked me like, you know, okay, cousin Richie or Kendall Roy. And it's like, look, there's plenty of me to go around. Okay. Right. I can <laughs> save them all. I can save them all. But, um, you know, Gary tells her, guidance counselor Gary tells her, you know, no one can solve someone else's life. And I love Claire's comeback. So basically your job is pointless. Your job is pointless. He's like, ah, it's it's like the everything in moderation except moderation. There always has to be like an exception to the whatever <laughs> nonsense rule. Um, yeah. And he's, you know, she doesn't want to talk about it. She gets in there and she's asking about his girlfriend mm-hmm. and like looking at the picture and he you know, I think he humors her for long enough before he he gets to, you know, we, we're not here to talk about that. Yeah. Um, but I do really love their their sessions. And I worry now about her feeling safe there because of what happened. Yeah. I mean, I kind of think I, I you know, I, I didn't get the impression that this was like a big betrayal of trust to Claire, because I think she understands that this is really like what you know, she understands that the cops are after Gabe and like the detective coming in and interviewing Claire, like it really underlines. We pointed this out last time, like not only does Claire care about Gabe and he's being like a rude a-hole to her and also being self-destructive in a way that's like ultimately pretty selfish. Yeah. Um, The fact that he steals the embalming fluid like directly implicates Claire and her yeah. family yeah. in this criminal activity, it's like it's just so much worse of a violation for that little detail. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, and so she's really, really scared. And then we see throughout the rest of the episode, like Claire's like very sweet and earnest attempts to connect with her family and just how self-involved all of the other fishers are and how completely incapable they are of recognizing that this is still a child who needs their love and guidance. Yeah, it's it's absolutely true. And like the way that, you know, Ruth later on will Mm -hmm. kind of like question her, like, what did you break? And what or you always need something. And it's like really harsh. Ruth is, you know, on her own journey, but it's another you know, uh, a little extreme, but another, a little bit of like a slap in the face again of like, okay, well, I, not only do I not feel comfortable telling this person anything, but like mm-hmm. now this person has like, uh, banished me emotionally. Like, I just feel like, okay. I, and you know, who's to say that she would have even told her mom in that moment, but she, now she certainly doesn't feel like she can. Right. Um, and the, the stuff with Nate is hard because she really, right. she really did try to talk to him. Yeah, yeah. The the Ruth and Claire stuff I want to linger with and maybe bring in like a tiny teaser of Ruth's plot line, but we will we will do it justice later on. But mm-hmm. the tragedy is that there are opportunities for Ruth and her daughter to connect. And Ruth's like journey towards self-actualization, which at least part of it is having these authentic relationships with her children, is actually stifled 
because she's so focused on her journey towards self-actualization. Like, yeah. So, you know, Claire stays up waiting for her mother and is worried. Like, it's so sweet that this 17 year old girl is up waiting for her mother. And it's like, when you didn't come home, I was worried. And do you want me to make you tea? Like, She's being so sweet. And then Ruth completely shuts it down. Sorry. And then he's like, oh, I have to go and do my homework. I have to write my, I have to write a letter to my dead mother for giving her for all the awful things she did to me. And then I have to write a personal letter to myself. (laughs) Sounds like a lot of work. Like you spend so much time there. Like, can't you write the letter there? Or isn't there after midnight? I would be so mad if I had to go midnight. Who knows how long it took her to drive home? Well, you had to pay. She had to pay to do this homework. (laughs) (laughs) This is a bigger scam than college. Oh my god, yeah. And then we'll get to Brenda's scam. Uh, Everybody (laughs) has to pay to do homework, but um, yeah, yeah. So, so that's really sad. And then, like, and then Claire goes to Nate and oof, oof, Nate, like. This is, I mean, I, I, I think that this is like a very, I think Nate is a very realistic character. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of us probably in our moments are like more self-involved and less attuned to other people than we would like to be. But just having been through all of this with Claire and like they, and, and, and they like, they know some of this, like they know about Claire's relationship with Gabe, Mm -hmm. um, it's the fact that she tries to talk to him and then, you know, he immediately, you know, David interrupts and like, he's super rude. They immediately get like wrapped up in their own thing and go off. It's like, it, it, it looks really awful because we've just been like in Claire's point of view. Um, You can understand how like maybe every time that one of your siblings or like, am I get like one of my children or your Mm -hmm. friends or partners are like, Hey, can I talk to you? And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then get distracted. I mean, right. It's of course this kind of thing happens, um, but it is really sad. Like at an earlier episode in season one, Claire says that she's just like this extra person, like nobody yeah. needs her, and um, and you know you can just sort of see how she like really really struggles to find her place in her family. She needs to speak fiercely from the fiercely eye, from the eye, and she can't get anyone to listen. Yeah, the tragedy, like you said, of of. You know, most times it, it could it was probably something really dumb that she needed to talk about, maybe, but like the idea that now in this moment it's the situation is actually much more dire than even she's aware of, and she already wants to talk to someone about it, um, is is heartbreaking. And you know, the when she when she does, it's really interesting to me. I mean, we'll get to the Gabe thing first, but like, it's really interesting to me that like when she shows up to, to Nate and David the morning after that, she goes right to David because she has yeah. more keenly rejected by Nate specifically. Right. Right. Um, and I did find that that was that, I mean, that is very sweet the way she just kind of like dissolves into yes. her big brother's arms. Like, cause yeah. that's exactly what she needs. Um, yeah. So, you know, when Gabe does eventually reach out and call Claire, it's, you know, we obviously see that she's, like, making all of the wrong decisions. But, like, I think as, like, a teenager, like, she's worried about him. She hasn't talked to him in two weeks. He says he needs her. She has to go and come to him. Like, I, she's just been rejected by, like, every member of her family. Like, I can completely understand why 
she would be, you know, tempted to go and follow through. And she does this. And Gabe, like, as if we we've we've had all these moments where we're like, wow, it's so clear that this guy is bad news. And like we've had our moments of sympathy for this character when he lost his brother, seeing what his home life was like. But in this episode, it's like there couldn't have been any more red flags like at this point. Like he is yeah. completely irredeemable. Yeah. And, you know, in, in fairness to her, she she as soon as she found out about the embalming fluid, that was basically like the last straw. And we saw mm-hmm. her break up with him. But the problem is you can't you can't put that that genie, so to speak, back in the bottle. Yeah. And like she would like nothing more than for uh, that whole situation to go away. But like now it is too late and it's she's now implicated and she doesn't know what to do. And like watching her you know, she's, she knows that Gabe uh, tried to harm himself. So like, I think that's for sure looming large in her like worry of not, of not hearing from him and obviously trying to, to like go to him. And like, there's a way in which she believes, however naively that like, she could be the thing that like contains the situation in some way. But Mm -hmm. like you said, it's, it is it is too far gone and when he pulls out that gun again oh my God. like he already did that in an incredibly stupid and much more cavalier way at the gas station and now here for him to do it again while he's messed up while he's being you know chased by the police like it's it just shows such a uh, depth and it's obviously immediately clear to claire uh like a lack of 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 uh, of awareness of the seriousness of the situation, and uh, most importantly, probably not really caring. And Claire's yeah. right there, so like now he's implicating her in this literal crime that he's now committing again. Um, and thankfully, no one got hurt. Like the, you know, it didn't hit anyone or anything. But it's 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 crazy when he does. Like I did not remember at all that this happened, and just watching the situation escalate like that so quickly is is wild. Yeah, I mean, like the level of recklessness and like lack of regard that Gabriel Demas has for his life and for other people's lives. It's like Claire is smart enough to see that this is a terrible situation that she needs to get out of. I think she's like motivated to go there because she still maybe holds out hope. Like I can tell him to go to the cops. I can tell, like I can, you know, try to kind of help him do the right thing. Now I don't want him to die. I don't want him to be alone. Um, but like she exhibits like tremendous strength of character in like kicking him out. Like a lesser person would have been too afraid. Like she wants to go back and check on the, you know, the, the other driver, like she ends up going home and immediately going to, uh, to her brothers. So like, I think that, um, as, as much as we can say, like Claire has been, making poor choices even though we understand where that's coming from like i do think that this episode is really impressive in terms of like as a as a teenager like i just remember dumb things that i went along with like because i was like too chicken to stand up for myself or to like and you know and obviously this is a really extreme example that pushes her to the limit but i was super super proud of claire so proud of claire because she she stands her ground like you said and like right before that after the after the initial horrible incident happens like she is so scared she's crying like so intensely and like that is just a level of 
fear and like discomfort and like to your point like that she has now regressed to like a, a younger child because so many of her alarms are now going off like oh my god I am now in danger and like the situation is so bad and so much worse than I thought it was and now I want to get away and I don't know how but she starts by getting rid of him unfortunately you know keeps the gun but she ultimately does the right thing not that i thought she was going to do something stupid with the gun but mm -hmm. just as far as like implicating herself further i was like oh god no claire right um but uh yeah her watching her start to cry like really made me emotional it was just like oh god this is mm -hmm. so bad for claire i feel so i just want to like hold her and get her out of that situation yeah and that's what and that's what you know david does and keith comes over and keith is wonderful uh when I saw him, okay, this for me is like one of those things where like, and I say this all the time on other podcasts about, you know, narrative choices. It doesn't matter if you saw something coming or not. It's just in the execution and what you feel when it does mm. happen. And I completely whiffed on the Keith part of it. I was like, oh my God, what is she going to do? And literally when they cut to Keith sitting there next yeah. to her, I just started to cry. Because I was like, oh my oh, God, thank God for Keith. Like he can God. be there for her. And this is so beautiful. Uh, you know, the, 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 the Keith and, and Eddie stuff we'll get to, but, yeah. um, this for him to be able to be there for David's family, Claire in particular, yeah. we love so this copaganda. Yeah. We love it. <laughs> this is, he's so, so kind to her yeah. and just do the way he like, uh, disactivates Nate because mm -hmm. Nate's being a total butthead as usual. Oh my gosh! And like, I was gonna you know, say, this is one of those moments. I do want to have like a like a Nate butthead, like maybe a Nate butthead <laughs> drinking game. Like every time Nate's being a butthead, taking a shot, this like immediately getting angry and defensive. Like, why did you tell us this sooner? Oh god. Like, <laughs> It's so bad. And she, good, you know, she's speaking up for herself. This is her speaking fiercely from the eye, where she says, I tried. And yeah. uh, Nate, of course, says, when? Uh, and and Keith very intelligently interjects. And he's yeah, like, like, okay, but she's telling you now. <laughs> it's like he's being, you know, it, obviously it's coming from a place of worry, but like he's yes. being the, he's being a parent to her. And mm -hmm. what he needs now is like her brother. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or a parent honestly anything if you're, if you're <laughs> well, willing to someone, show up, okay, fine. A, a figure who is understanding and can be warm to yeah. her and like show up in any her. way if you yeah. like in any way and that it could be, be mitzi whatever no not mitzi sorry what was the name of the of the one in season one the other like, three named person oh oh her oh tracy it could be tracy tracy yeah. could have come in to deliver like donuts or something and then yeah. they could have had like a really sweet you know, moment. Mm, literally, sweet. literally okay. sweet. <laughs> Have a donut. Mm -hmm. Um, this is wonderful. Yeah. And again, like it's worth repeating for me when she breaks down in in David's arms. Like mm -hmm. it's that also just really got me. The like level of we've been through the whole thing with Claire. Claire in the know, foot. It is now the, the, the <laughs> yeah, Keith was there when you needed to find that severed foot. Yes, yes. And yeah, that's um, and that's great for her that she's mm -hmm. somebody that she had already like kind of connected with and bond bonded with a little bit. So she felt extra safe with Keith. Um, and she tells him everything. She's not lying. We know she's not lying about anything. Mm -hmm. and, and now they have to go to the station and do it all again. Uh, but Keith is gonna stay there he's with gonna her. Gonna be there. Oh, I yes. was like, and you're God. and you're a wealthy white lady, Claire. You're gonna be fine. <laughs> You'll be fine. You're gonna be fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she provided them with a gun. Like they might, like you know, give her the good coffee. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh wow, good. the good she coffee. <laughs> no, they don't have the not the coffee that uh that tastes like shit <laughs> that the fishers have at their house. It was yeah. And they don't even make the coffee. We find out Claire has to come down and say that it's polite to, be, <laughs> to make the coffee, even if you do have a penis. Right, and then of course Nate has to come back with his yeah. classic, uh, you know, be in the bathroom mm-hmm. for more than forty-five minutes. It does. It's not easy to get their hair looking that good. Okay? Oh my goodness! Yes, uh, the, everybody wishes they had uh, Laura Ambrose's hair here. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's, why, don't we, why don't we stay with our night in shining armor, Keith, here, okay. and talk about Keith and David's, uh, their, their friendship. They are racquetball partners. We find out mm-hmm. that um, Eddie has, uh, he's very unlucky with the poor depth perception. Mm-hmm. And that made so much sense to me because he clearly lacks any ability to see what is going on right in front of him <laughs> with Keith and David. <laughs> wow. Yeah, as David says, wow, that's that's too bad. Yeah. That's really, really with too bad. Smile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, Eddie. Um, yeah, your your losses, my gain, clearly, yes. because I get to spend all this time with uh with Keith. And Keith mm-hmm. is, you know, being once again very, you know, emotionally vulnerable in a sense mm-hmm. with David telling him what's going on with his sister. And um, you know, he's he's even looking for advice, kind of in a way, because yeah. you know, he's like worried that he's being too harsh or unreasonable. And David, of course, no matter what Keith said, you it's just like, know, you're, like, you're like, right, no, you're right. You're so right. <laughs> 
So, so Ariel, tell me this: if 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 uh, David has good depth perception, what's his excuse for being so bad at racquetball? <laughs> I think his is is more of like a motor function, mm, thing. physical like, conditioning. Think, like yeah, maybe, yeah, I think his brain knows what mm-hmm. he has to do, but he's getting pro- he's having a problem with the signal getting it's the execution. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's um, my theory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like so Keith is using David, I think is like his like emotional support surrogate boyfriend, I might say, like this phenomenon of like That sounds right to me. Yeah, like my real boyfriend won't do these things with me, but you can be my surrogate boyfriend and we can play racquetball together and I can bring you into my family drama and all of that. And David is like very happy to be playing this role right now. I'll never forget last episode where Keith is like, I have a few things to do. And David's like, it's fine. I'll just follow you. (laughs) I'll just follow you everywhere. (laughs) Incredible, incredible Mm -hmm. from, from David, but you know, on his side, he's, He's like, listen, I'm asking the questions. He would say, I did the good thing by asking about Eddie, right? Like he's right. in his own, yeah. he sent up the test balloon in his own like ridiculous uh, self-serving way. And he's like, all right, well, clearly Eddie doesn't matter. So I'm going to stop bringing him up. Yeah, David is staying on like the appropriate side of the line. Mm-hmm. The only person he's hurting is himself by like <laughs> putting him through this emotional torture. So I think that he's like, He's in the clear. He's not doing anything wrong. And Keith seems like pretty distracted by all of the things he's worried about with his sister, Carla. And now his mother is involved. And we get some insight into Keith's family of origin and that dynamic. Um, Mama is like, does not like Keith coming in with his uh, shining armor on and trying to fix everything and tell everyone what to do. Yeah, you have to watch your mouth, Keith. My granddaughter mm-hmm. does not because she's upset. Um, but uh, yeah, like clearly there's a history, seemingly at least from Keith's perspective and what we're getting, um, a history of, you know, his mom having a soft spot for for his sister mm-hmm. and like kind of making up excuses for her sweeping behavior. Sweeping some things under the rug. Yeah, yeah. sweeping some things under the rug. And it has some, some white powdery things, maybe. <laughs> Um, it's from the Easy Bake Oven. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, yeah, then we hear the message and clearly she's, you know, out with a guy. It seems like mm-hmm. it might be her her ex, the ex, father yeah. of the, the daughter. And it's it's unfortunate because clearly, the, clearly Keith's niece is suffering. And yeah. you know, she's showing some signs of like, you know, acting out and, and being unhappy. She's she's a little bit like Claire. She needs somebody to be paying like a certain kind of attention to her yeah yeah and like i think that there's this tension between like sort of keeping the problems in the family and maybe like keith in his role as being a law enforcement officer and like wanting to take everything to these extremes i can Mm -hmm. see like his mother's position of being like let's just wait till your sister gets home let's just work this all out let's not file a missing persons report like what if the police find her what if they find drugs and then she's in jail? Like, obviously you can understand why a mother wouldn't want that, you know, series of events to transpire. Mm -hmm. Um, But maybe that's leading to her being protective in a way that's also, you know, not helpful. So it's just a really, it's a really tragic thing that's happening right now, especially given that Taylor, like Keith's niece, who's so lovely is like in, you know, is in the fray 
of all of this. Um, but, you know, David is sort of, you know, capitalizing on the fact that Keith is going through this tough family stuff to mm -hmm. be this supportive shoulder to cry on and because he has such good depth perception he's like right there <laughs> he can he's, see it he sees it and he's right where he needs to be in that opportunistic position yeah and i love how how genuinely messy that is because it it, it can absolutely be both things that like keith needs yeah. someone and whether he's telling eddie about it or not who knows but um he's telling keith about it here and it's you know, uh, he's telling David about it here, excuse me, but he, you know, David is, like you said, using it to his advantage while also genuinely being there for him. So it's a a very uh, interesting, sticky situation to be mm -hmm. in for, for David. Um, There's another couple where things are maybe, you know, trending downward in mm -hmm. this episode, Ariel. Our good friends, our dear friends, Nate and Brenda. Nate and Brenda, and he's once again trying to get lucky, as he would say. Uh, and Brenda, she was in the middle of something. She was looking at the course catalog. I remember those things. They were super like complicated and annoying, and the print was always yeah. really small. So I, I, I don't blame her necessarily for not being in the mood after, after reading that book. But he's, as we mentioned before, he's, uh, he's keeping track of how long it's been, and he doesn't like the numbers that he's seeing. No, no. He's looking at the quarterly reports and uh, <laughs> it's uh, the numbers are very discouraging. Um, There's a dry spell in the sales for this quarter. And... See, the issue is that Nate's never been in a relationship long enough to know that there's a natural ebb and flow, Ariel. Let Brenda teach you something, Nate, okay? She's your professor of this mm, relationship because, uh -huh. God forbid, you should find it out together. This is just normal. You have to get used to the ebbs. The ebbs uh, and yeah. you asking about the ebbs is only going to make the ebb go longer. Is it the prolongs the standard ebb. That's what... <laughs> From the transitive property of ebbs. Um, sounds like such horseshit from her. Like when she puts it exactly like that, like you just said, yeah. the standard ebb. Like according to whom? What, what literature are you citing? Like what what Norwegian uh, mm -hmm. case study are you looking at that you can cite? for these mm -hmm. uh for the for what the standard yeah, is. or maybe exactly. this is like a i need to thing, see like i need to see your bibliography you need to show yes. your work Brenda. Some sources please yes um because nate's gonna go and do his own research and he finds out that for rico the standard <laughs> ebb is two days <laughs> we don't get a lot from rico this episode but this is one of his big scenes where mm -hmm. he you know, we find out that uh, that Angelica, his sister-in-law, is like seemingly partially moved in, which mm -hmm. you just have to imagine there's going to be drama there. And she put the money for the house and he like stopped short of telling Nate uh, that. But he is very happy to report that <laughs> his his quarterly report by <laughs> his own standard is low, but is looking much more appealing much, than yeah. Nate's right now. I love how Nate is trying to play it off. He's like, yeah. oh, yeah. That sucks, man. They're both lying <laughs> to the point about lying. They're both like lying about something. And it's really funny if we need to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, that, that's hard. That's hard. Yeah, yes, yes, definitely. I will enjoy the, the, Can't imagine. the clear flow yeah. period that I am now in and not the ebb that I found. Oh, Nate did say it was all about flow when he was on ecstasy. See? 
And I'll and, 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 and Brenda was like, no, it's about like, we ebb. have to go. We have to ebb. <laughs> We're not doing flow. We're it's all about ebb. Yes, you're doing it wrong. You did the ecstasy wrong. You should have been ebbing, and instead you were flowing. <laughs> um, yeah, Brenda is not attracted to Nate at this moment in time, and like it's not just a sexual thing. And like, of course, like there's truth to this that like, especially like long term relationship, it doesn't stay like the. First of all, Nate and Brenda were having sex like three or four times a day, as far Seemingly. as I could tell. Like they wasted all the flow. They were they wasted. They used it all up. They used up all of their flow. Like they were, you know, in the viewing room. Just ask Billy. He they, was there for a lot of it. <laughs> He has the pictures. He has the photographic <laughs> evidence. Uh, yeah, oh. they were. I think. I think that's a good point. They were doing it a lot. So I think. I think in a way, you know, what Rico said isn't isn't wrong according to to Nate's experience mm -hmm. at the beginning. But you know, for it to be six months versus the years that uh, Rico's been together, it's still. It's still not looking great. But the really biting line that Brenda had, which you already. Uh, mm -hmm talked about a little bit but like the way she puts there will be times where you don't find me attractive right like this right. is so extra for no it's not reason. it's not her saying like oh you know this is just me right now like i'm just like that's just not where i'm at but she mm -hmm. actually imp implies that i don't find you attractive it's wild and Which like so harsh. brenda yeah. so brenda <laughs> and and like you know i i'm gonna say it's like it's Obviously, they probably couldn't maintain the level of engagement that they had at the very start. Um, but and so but like it's not just sex with Nate and Brenda, like Brenda isn't showing up for Nate in any way. Like she's not being emotionally attentive to him. She's not being like she's not even particularly interested in talking to him or sharing with him. It's like she just seems annoyed with him. Yeah. And to it's that point, very cold. Yeah, no, it is very cold. And it's really interesting now from hearing you say that made me think of like the irony of him trying to speak to Brenda and ha and like trying to find a moment mm -hmm. to speak to her. Like Jess said in the quick plot recap, like it's not mm -hmm. just physical closeness that she that Nate is looking for. Right. He is ultimately looking to feel comfortable enough to reveal the news about himself. And the irony of like he can't be that person for Claire elsewhere in the episode is yeah. really interesting. Um, but it's sad. And obviously, like, yeah, there's argument to be made of like Nate's being a butthead to Claire because of the AVM thing. And I think that's valid, mm -hmm. but also he was kind of a butthead before. So, you know, I just think it's a good old, good old tragic Nate trying. Yeah. You know, he's, he's just right there. He's very close, but he's not, mm -hmm. not. Well, that's quite. like, that's the poignant tragedy of so many of these characters in Six Feet Under. And I think it's like one of the poignant tragedies of life is that there's like probably somebody who needs you as much as you need something else. And yeah. like, because of, we are all these myopic self-involved people, like mm -hmm. we're always barking up these wrong trees or looking for the kind of support, like from somebody and being disappointed. And there's probably yeah. somebody else who would love to answer the phone if you called them. And it's like, we definitely see the fishers kind of as ships passing in the night not being able to show up for each other the way that they need to. Um, yeah, Brenda is in part distracted, though, because she is registering for courses, Ariel, and she's deciding between 
bioethics and the ethics of human genetics, which Nate thinks both sound super boring. <laughs> Nate has his own opinions. And um, he's like, that sounds lame. But uh, she's gonna she's gonna go and try yeah. and it's not as fun. And uh, I think she, you know, we have seen her to be someone who enjoys a little bit of like back and forth and mm, getting into yes. some spirited debate. And here that doesn't really seem to be welcome in this classroom. Setting. No, no. I mean, I, so I watched this episode twice. I watched it once, like just for enjoyment. And then I watched it mm-hmm. again to take notes and prepare for the podcast. And I remember this episode from my original watch and Brenda's class. And the professor definitely seems like a pretentious, self-important a-hole. But on like my rewatch of it today, when I was actually taking notes on what she says, um, even though it's like very jargony, I I do I, I do agree with the professor more than I agree with Brenda. Like, and Brenda is being a little bit glib and snippy. Like it is, it is uh it's it's definitely like a jerk move to be like. I'm teaching this course and we're teaching entirely from the book that I wrote mm-hmm. and you have to read the book. And if you disagree with my opinion, um, I'm going to get mad at you. And I do think that there's definitely professors who are like this, but the argument that the professor and Brenda are having is about biological determinism versus the influence of culture and mm-hmm. free will. And Brenda, you know, suggests, that, you know, is kind of arguing in favor of biological determinism and is saying that, like, you know, because privilege makes life easier for people, then they're more likely to survive and procreate, which, like, and then when the professor says that that's murky ethical terrain, it's because, like, you get into this assertion that privilege is biologically determined. So the people who end up having privilege have privilege Mm -hmm. because they're genetically superior which is like you know a hop skip and jump to eugenics which we know it's bad so i think that there's like definitely probably like but the professor seems like she's being a very dismissive jerk like i think you would engage a little bit more with a student like that and there's also this conflation between natural selection and sexual selection in this Mm -hmm. conversation which doesn't really get i mean i'm probably saying way too much but i mean this professor i think is made to look like a jerk but I also want to say, can you imagine how terrible it would be to have Brenda in your class? <laughs> Wait, hold on. I wasn't done. I have more to say. <laughs> um, yeah, it is. It is interesting because I think there, the t- the professor could doesn't have to mention her book every other sentence. And, and you know, obviously, like there's the scene is kind of short, so they have to make it as loud as possible so to speak and like the few the few lines that she does say but it's like the way brenda is like rolling her eyes when the guy is you know brown nosing and he's like as you put in your book so brilliantly like yeah, I mean, yeah that's yeah. that like i certainly don't need uh but ultimately i agree with you that you would hope if you were in this position as the professor that someone is engaging with you on some level this early i mean i don't know how late it is in the in the mm-hmm. semester, whatever that Brenda has, is joining, but like to have someone who is engaging, even if they're being a little bit combative, is 
there's a right way to handle that and keep the person interested yeah. and the professor certainly does not does right not do right um yeah it's interesting i think to think about like why does brenda pick this class and what is Brenda's agenda here in this mm. argument about free will versus biological determinism? And I think it plays in a little bit to the conversation that she and Nate have mm -hmm. over dinner where Nate is like talking to her about um, the, you know, so talking to her about the class, it turns out she, le she, she left school after one class. So she's mm -hmm. done with that. Um, and he talks about the funeral that they're dealing with. And we have like Eileen and Michael and Eileen is the psychic and Michael is her late husband. And she claims to be communicating him with him the whole time. Um, Brenda dismisses this as delusional and Nate wants to talk about his favorite topic. Is there an afterlife? Is there a plan? And Brenda says, there's no plan. There's just survival. So, um, you know, again, this kind of like bio, like natural selection, Darwinism, biological determinism. Nate asks how she lives like that. What would she do if she found out she was going to die tomorrow? And she says that she's always lived assuming she could die tomorrow ever since she was six years old. Um, Nate doesn't know how she lives like this. And she thought that we all did. So like Brenda is like very, very nihilistic. And I think that there's part of her that like as much as she blames everybody else like her parents the psychologists like on on why she is the way she is why mm -hmm. billy it like i think that there's some comfort that she takes some nihilistic comfort that she takes in the fact that you know she is this broken person who is doomed to being miserable and dying alone yeah, and the the scary thought, or perhaps to your point, like the the freeing thought of her just kind of having been that way the whole time, mm -hmm. and like not necessarily having been turned into that by by the pretty awful things that happened to her when she was a kid. Um, yeah, that conversation is so interesting. Again, that line that you called out: "There is no plan." Like we're getting into it's a little bit writerly. Like we're getting into the episode title the and like plan, what is the plan yeah. actually referring to. But that and then Ruth chimes in. She's like, "No, there is a plan. It's <laughs> a plan." Ask me about the Snickers. Uh, <laughs> there's so there's no plan. No, there's no plan. There's just survival. That's that sounds like you know a line from uh, uh, from the oh god, what is it called now? The Last of Us on HBO. Yeah, like, yeah, after yeah. They've been through like uh, a, a what is it basically a zombie apocalypse uh, via mushrooms. Um, it's it's so nihilistic, like you said, and it's sad to see her like that in a way. I think no matter what, as 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 much as Brenda tries to push everyone away, including us, the viewer, there's just a level of of sympathy that I at least have for her. Of like, damn, that's like a that's just a a really rough um place to be coming from on pretty much everything. Yeah. And this is like a this is a big source of friction between Brenda and Nate. And I think that this is like part of their incompatibility that's like manifesting in general and the fact that like she doesn't feel close to him. They're not having sex anymore. Like as much as he wants to make this Brenda thing his thing, I think the fact that she has this very bleak hopelessness and he's like desperate for somebody to tell him that you know this isn't it it's not just 
our corporal living form. There's more out there. You can see this tension like within their dinner conversation where she's getting like more and more avoidant, like, oh, should I have ordered the salmon and trying to change the topic and ignoring him? And he's getting like a little bit more heated. Um, this is also when we see uh, Scotty, who works in insurance, or he's no tax law, mm -hmm. um, who Brenda introduced herself to uh, at the bar as Candace, the uh, sign language teacher for the newly deaf. Um, this is incredible stuff from Brenda. Like watching her so quickly, like the the level of ease that she pulls that out of her brain, the level of detail that is there, like how many times has she done this? Mm -hmm. She clearly gets off on this. This is exactly the kind of thing that she, you know, she wants to feel in control of the situation. So I'm going to put on this this mask, so to speak, mm -hmm. uh, Scott Axelrod, what a name, played by Grant Show, oh. uh, who I saw on the train one time. Oh, was um, he like from like Melrose Place or something? I believe so. Yeah, yeah I believe that's where he's from. And then that's he where he's from. The, that's what he. That's, that's where, where he. That's, that's where he grew up. That's all he'll ever be on Melrose <laughs> Place. No, and then he was. We like all grew up new, on Melrose Place. He was in the new. Uh, <laughs> that's where I grew up too. <laughs> he was in the new dynasty that they were trying to make happen. Wow um uh, what a what a storied career also played also uh you know played addison's brother on Grey's anatomy just want to shout wow. out that um but uh yeah it's it's wild again the lies and like mm -hmm. the way in which again she so easily goes to that place and like the accepting i mean we can't we can't let this go right this like hanging thread that now exists of she, yeah her she has his card. number mm -hmm. and they both saw like she waves to him when he leaves and she's like she lies and then creates a whole universe within the yeah. lie of like, I, that's somebody that I went to high school with mm -hmm. clearly had a nose job I like even it. being judgy in her pretend world she it's so scary how naturally she uh falls into these deceptive roles. I mean, get Brenda on the traders season three. Um, oh no, she's God, she she's, would kill on the traders, literally said, kill, literally, ki literally like kill. literally kill too. Like, it wouldn't just be, yeah, um, <laughs> wouldn't just our be the first, game, our first game real murder. <laughs> um. She she's it it it's it's sociopathic like the way that she can do this. Um, so yeah, real like Nate Nate and Brenda. I mean, when are that when are things ever good with Nate and Brenda? Like never, but they seem particularly bad right now. Yeah, this is bad. This this particular situation now that Brenda has kind of put herself in, and then like who is this client that she's seeing at the end of the episode mm -hmm. that he's like, oh, it's a late client. Sometimes they want to. They like to get put to bed is kind of how he puts yeah. it, which that just sounds bad, Nate. Like, do like, you hear the words coming out of your mouth, Nate? <laughs> like someone, the, the, where are his red flags in this situation? Um, you know, she we know she does have actual clients, but mm -hmm. again, the line patterns we we can only judge on what we're being uh what we're being shown yeah yeah she's bad news uh the fishers like i guess i guess david has the best taste in in uh in partners of all the fishers is that what we would say seeming uh yeah i mean based on the what we best the so best far. he could do is a cop well <laughs>
Nikolai. Yeah, because this is really the only, you know, with the, yeah. with the exception of a couple of trysts, this mm. is the only, like, real uh, relationship that we have, or who knows what mm. to call it now, but the only... Maybe, uh, maybe Nikolai's the best. He's a, he's a nice, he's a nice gentleman friend. He's supportive. He will never let you forget where your diplomas are from <laughs> and what you have achieved. And I think that's, that's definitely worth something. Um, I want to just, before we leave from Nate, um, you know, we have another great Nate and Nate senior scene. Um, you know, he asks his father, the ghost of his father, what happens after we die? Like talking about this idea that, you know, the, the, the funeral of that week that the wife feels very strongly that she still has the presence of her late husband. And Nate senior says there's a chunk of dead meat in a cheapo box, but do you really believe that that's him? The essence of what he was a part of him that hoped and dreamed and all that other crap um, suggesting that that's not who we are. We are not, you know, just our bodies that pass, Um, you know, but then Nate senior being that kind of fickle, capricious joker that he is he says mm-hmm. it's also possible the light goes out and it stays out and you'll never know buddy boy until it's your turn um another nice echo is that there is a walt whitman reading at the funeral um what do you think has become of the young and old men and what do you think has become of the women and children that um that poem ends, you know, they are alive and well somewhere. The smallest sprout shows there really is no death. And if yeah. there ever was, it let forward life and does not wait to the end to arrest it and cease the moment life appeared. All goes onward and outward. Nothing collapses. And mm. to die is different from what anyone supposed and luckier. It's beautiful. I do love the way the show finds uh, very organic ways to cite all these different mm-hmm. texts f- across different cultures and, you know, all about death and the afterlife and what it could mean and what we could glean in some small way from from what other people might have thought. But they were also mm-hmm. alive. So none of it uh, ultimately matters. But it is mm-hmm. it is really always fascinating to be to be investigating that on a show about death, obviously. Yeah. Um, I do just want to go back to Nate Sr. for a second because I love that we also get, like, to your point of your checklist, like, yes, uh, we get Nathaniel <laughs> Sr., but then we get Nathaniel Sr. twice with two yeah. different siblings. That's like a mm-hmm. two check. Oh, yeah. Um, the hat trick when you get all three. <laughs> That's, yeah. Uh, the, the scene where Nate is trying to ask David, like, if he ever sees dad. And yeah. Nate immediately lies. I mean, David, David just says, nope. Lies. Yeah. Nope. And like, just again, the tragedy of that small moment of like David having up his wall and like, he's not really mm-hmm. willing to admit it. And um, I just think it's really interesting. And David in his conversation with Nate senior is, you know, talking, revisiting his thoughts on, you know, what it means to be gay and what that mm-hmm. means as far as the afterlife and doesn't mean anything. And, you know, once again, I think his, his his father used a lot of the snark on on Nate, so he has a little bit uh, a little bit more sympathy for, or at least a little bit more warmth, I would say, towards David in this in this scene. Although ultimately, the takeaway is the same: of you can't really know until you know. You can't really know until you know. And like for both of them, I think it's like what it it it's he becomes 
this projection of their own insecurities. Like for Nate, it's very much like, is this all there is? Because I don't feel like I've accomplished anything. Like I don't feel like I am anything. And if this is it, then, you know, what was it all for? But for David, it's really like the morality is what Mm -hmm. he struggles with because he says earlier that, you know, he believes in heaven and hell and that there's consequences for who you on on are uh, who you are on earth. So for him, like the big question is like, is inherently who I am a sin? Like, am I mm-hmm. damned? Am I an abomination? Am I going to hell? Um, and a little bit, he looked to his father's approval and his father as the moral compass to represent that for him. So, um, yeah, really powerful. One of my favorite things that the show does um but another one of my favorite things that the show does is yes. makes francis conroy freak out and <laughs> oh man this does is not disappoint this does not disappoint um when she tells uh when she tells her children that she's doing this that she's going uh to the plan this was the scene where um you know, she contemplates bringing a jar because they won't have enough bathroom breaks. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, Nate calls this a self-actualization cult that le- yells at you for 12 hours and doesn't let you use the bathroom. He, would um, know. he probably did one in Seattle. <laughs> um, what do you think of the plan, Ariel? Do you like this program? I... I don't love the money part of it. Mm. Um, I understand they need to make some kind of money to keep the thing running, but like you can't build a house without <laughs> some investment free, capital. As, yeah. as I tried to sound like someone who knew what that would actually entail <laughs> before. Um, I, I am all for looking at yourself and truly analyzing yourself and being honest which is very, very hard to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there are there are people who might benefit from this kind of very specific, I, I wouldn't necessarily call it therapy, but perhaps mm-hmm. a therapeutic mm-hmm. uh, exchange. Mm-hmm. But it, it just feels a little icky. Like the, we have the, the British in some vague way, uh, <laughs> you know, proctor uh-huh. or reader person who's like not quite yelling at them, being really assertive, trying to like trick them into things and like trying to establish some form of, this is a person who does really care about the classroom dynamics and how mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And I, I can't really get past the, like the gotcha part of, of the things, if that makes sense. Yeah. So this is, Alex Kriege, who plays Alma, who is the guru here, the inspirational speaker who is uh, leading these seminars. Um, Yeah, I guess that the whole idea here is that we have, you you know, you have this old blueprint. You're living in a house. I'm with you so far. Your house is bad. Your house is bad because. (laughs) Oh, your house. (laughs) Because you have this bad blueprint and it has to do with like forgiving people that did terrible things to you. Like if you had an abusive parent, you have to call them and forgive them. Mm -hmm. And then 
invite them to stay in your new house. Even if they let you on fire. Even if, yes. Yeah, so and then you build a new house. Mm -hmm. But and there's, then, like a, there's maybe there's a a safe room or something like that <laughs> that you can like sneak yeah. into. Yeah. I don't know. The metaphor kind of falls apart for me. Um, <laughs> right. The idea of like the foundation part makes sense to me. Right. Because there is a way in which, you know, and I've I've encountered similar things in therapy of like what you try to build your life on yeah. and your foundation being your experiences and your formative years and all that. I think there is there is something there. But to your point, then you're adding all these like bells and whistles and you're like, wait, what's happening? buttresses and like <laughs> you have to buttress the house you with your forgiveness mm -hmm. um yeah but like ruth is is not at first she does not start out as the ideal student of this mm -hmm. seminar she's not buying it she's hungry she's, she's hot she well she already bought it she's, she's already it's too late for that uh mm -hmm. but I just thought this was so funny. This was like the most elaborate snickers ad that I had mm. ever seen oh yeah he's like you know, huffing and puffing and, and her, her butt is get. I was about to say oh, her yeah, butt I head. Like I was <laughs> about to make a Nate reference, but it fell apart. Uh, much like the logic of this place, her, you know, she's, she's sore from sitting there. Those chairs do not look comfortable. I'll be honest. Yeah. Not for a 12 hour I, seminar. I have, I have all the, the text of this written down, but I do want to say like, like the, she's not going along with this. She just is sort of like wants to be polite Mm -hmm. So she's showing up and doing the homework and then they get these she's like curious. She's definitely like mm -hmm. interested in what could happen, but she's not really feeling it. Um, But they get this 19 minute interval where they're supposed to call and and start to rebuild these relationships for whoever is holding them back. And Robbie, first he tells her, I read your private letter to yourself. <laughs> This is incredible Robbie content. This I love is it. So yeah. good. Um, and Robbie tells her to call her kids, start with Claire. And then she pretends to make the call. She actually calls movie phone, Ariel. Were you a big she movie phone guy? Calls movie phone. Uh -huh. This sent me, I cannot <laughs> tell you the amount of times I called movie phone. Sit down, children, and listen to Grandpa talk. Mm -hmm. uh, the amount of times I, you know, I'm a big movie head. So, yes. and I've always been one. That's part of my foundation that I built wow, my house Wow, you so built your house on movie phone. Yeah. Um, the voice, literally the- Hello, the and welcome, guys, to, welcome movie to movie phone. phone. If you know the name of the movie you'd like to see, press one now. To browse through current previews and titles, press two now. Like, I used to call this thing all yeah. the time. And like, there's that part of the nostalgia and just like the tragedy of something so silly and frivolous that she called to make this fake phone call and Robbie buys it, thankfully, because that yeah. would have been horrifying if he heard the movie phone voice. Um, it's like she could have called no one, but she yeah. calls movie phone. It's yeah. it's incredible. The like the, yeah. the level it's obviously like a super specific detail, but just like the opposite side of the spectrum emotionally as far as like, what she's actually looking to achieve. And she can this, only fake it. This movie phone trick was such a great, um, was such a great life hack back in the day. Like if I was expecting like to get a phone call after bed when I like wasn't allowed to be on the phone, I would call movie phone 
and then get call waiting. Oh, call waiting. That's right. So I mean, kids, the story time isn't over. Sit back down. We had call waiting where you knew there was somebody else calling on the line. So, and so your the, parents would be none the wiser. So the pay parents would not know. I was taking phone calls after I was supposed to be in bed because we had the house phone, the mm -hmm. landline. Yes, and you had one in your mm -hmm. room, mm -hmm. and that's that's on your parents for doing that. It was actually like it was in my mom's study, but the oh, but like was the cord was. So <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we used to live and die by the cord length. Okay, what you could achieve in your social life depended dearly on the length of your telephone cord. <laughs> Oh, this should be your plan. It's like you like wow. pick your pick your pick your cell provider. Like get your minute. Like what's your plan? <laughs> the plan? How many only it's you spend per day yeah. before you start getting charged, and your parents get mad at you. That used to be a thing. We used to have a limit on the amount of. Oh my goodness! We forget like long distance. Like oh my god, I used to get when we got like long distance uh, charges. It wasn't me. I, no, I didn't call. What do you mean? It must have been someone. Maybe the the telephone company got confused. They're yeah, no. My dad used to sit down with me, and we go line by line through the phone bill, and I'd have to answer for all of my <laughs> answer for your crimes. <laughs> answer for my crimes. Um. Anyway. Um. But the plan. So this is the Ruth is like. Ruth is just kind of exhausted and completely mm -hmm. exasperated with this. She just wants a snicker bar. She doesn't want to go like through with all this like mumbo jumbo. Um, so then what was her name? What was this person's name? Um, then Alma takes them through this hilarious joke, Ariel. It's so funny. Everybody has to you sit there. It? You get the joke. I, I didn't really get it. <laughs> It's just not funny. It's not a joke. It's, it's bad. The so, not a joke. It's like a twist ending to a story that didn't make sense. Oh, my God. So everybody has to sit there and really feel like they're an idiot. Close their eyes and feel like you're the biggest idiot in the world. And then Alma thinks she's so clever. She's like, and laugh when you get the joke. Mm -hmm. And, like, everybody's, like, cracking up. Oh, my gosh. It's so funny. And, and thankfully, Ruth is speaking fiercely from the eye when she's like, I don't understand. I don't get it. And then she's like, she's like, I don't get it because I'm an idiot. And then, and then the guy and then when the other student explains it to her, he's like, well, if we all feel the same <laughs> yes, way. Yes, explain the joke. Explain the joke. Explain it. If we all feel the same way, then who's really the a-hole? And I love Ruth's answer. All of us. Yeah. <laughs> but really, it's just me. You did all you did all pay to take this class. So I do think you are all the a-hole. I'm reminded, um, I'm reminded of a of a line from Bojack where he's like, You said you were gonna tell a joke. Did you mean you were telling a story? Because if you were telling a story, it's okay, but that wasn't a joke. Like, <laughs> honestly, a lot of comedians need to learn that lesson. <laughs> yeah. You know, tell a good story. I love a good storyteller, but it can't just, I don't know, mm -hmm. can't just be all stories. Um, so then Alma demands that Ruth tell her what she wrote in her private letter to herself. And like Ruth with like just the spot on comeback. It was a private letter. <laughs> Why are you the second person now to ask me about my private letter? The first who was all clearly already read it because he admitted it to me. It's like literally every word in that phrase means that I don't tell you about it. I don't <laughs> share it with you. And she has, she's very sensitive about secrets because once mm -hmm. she goes into her diatribe, she's like, and all my children with their little secrets. Yeah. So this is her, 
So this is, uh, you know, her complaint. She's like, I have a very nice house. I have nice children and a nice job and a nice gentleman friend. Can't anyone just be happy? I'm happy. Alma says, no one believes you. We're not buying your house. And then, and then we spend... <laughs> now we're doing real estate. I now we're doing real estate in this seminar. Now the scam all I makes know. sense because everyone has to now go out and literally buy and sell houses. And yeah. that's how this place makes their Not money. in my backyard, gentrifiers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she said no one's buying your house. No one I was buys. so mad. I wanted to throw a tomato. <laughs> um, and Ruth is like just so fun in this exchange. She's like, who, will, who cares in a room full of whiny complainers? What do you have to complain? And then they say, well, what do you have to complain about? And she's like, fine, I'll complain that the blood stopped circulating in my rear end four hours ago. Um, you know, you want me to complain? F this, F you, F all of you with your sniveling self-pity and, and F all your lousy parents and F my lousy parents while we're at it. F my selfish bohemian sister and her effing bliss. Can't wait to meet her. Um, <laughs> F my legless grandmother and my dead husband and my children with their nasty little secrets and F you, Robbie, for dragging me here and not letting me have a Snickers bar. And he's never been prouder of her. They all get up and they're like, oh my God, it's so beautiful to watch this fledgling fly. <laughs> That's That was all part of the plan, Ariel. It's all part of the plan. That was the plan. And, you know, to my previous point, there's just like almost like this predatory way in which uh, Alma is her name. Mm -hmm. is like looking around like Ruth. Yes, I found a non-believer. Ruth, what's your what's your thing? Blow up. Yeah. I want to explain. Like she's she's like throwing gasoline on Ruth to like start this fire as if yeah, she's Ruth starting lived across the street fire. from yeah. the fish. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Um, but apparently that was like just what she needed. And like, as much as I think this plan thing was like total BS and a scam, it's very sweet to see Ruth and Robbie together at the bar, just like being like, I mean, this is what, this is what Ruth needs. Like Ruth needs her gay bestie. This is incredible. This moment, I agree. It's so much fun. They are having so much fun. Ruth is clearly wasted. They didn't get her a Snickers, but they clearly got her alcohol. Mm -hmm. uh, but whatever, good for her. And well, you know, without the they... Snickers, it kicks in that much faster. <laughs> that was the plan. That was the plan you. all along. This is genius stuff from from Mars Incorporated. Assuming they sell <laughs> Snickers. Um, the and then when they see that like couple making out, and Ruth is like, "Oh, let's make out." Robbie is just dying laughing because he's never seen the side of Ruth. It's yeah. so, so genuinely funny. It's so much fun. Um, so good for Ruth. I'm glad that Ruth is having a breakthrough. Like, I do think that she should be a better mother. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but maybe that's maybe that's the next part of the plan. She's just working on the foundation right now. Mm -hmm. The children's rooms, those are on like the second or third floor. We might not get to those for In a while. In the attic, if she has her way, uh, she doesn't like those nasty little secrets. But mm -hmm. yeah, it, you know, it's it's important for her to, again, the irony of like she, her feeling like her children are super selfish and she needs to take care of herself and then going through some form of self-actualization and you know, therefore not being there for her children who actually need her is, is, yeah. is unfortunate. It's unfortunate, but you know, everybody's trying at least I do. I I've been watching six feet under with my husband and we've both been really enjoying it. We were fans of it originally and we're mm -hmm. enjoying watching it again. And 
he keeps on remarking like because he's sick of all of these anti-hero led dramas where everybody's mm-hmm. a bad person and he just likes seeing people are trying to be nice like he's Aww. very happy that they're <laughs> that they're just trying like they're not they're awful trying. like like maybe brenda's an awful <laughs> i mean she's definitely trying but she her trying is just lying that i don't, I don't know, know what she, she, i don't know what she's trying to do but she's she's trying not to tell the truth <laughs> what she's doing but it's like very sweet when we get these moments like david is looking up avm and like mm-hmm. wants like help. yes yeah and nate of course wants no part of that but david, mm-hmm. i did love that little like it was their small way of of letting you know that this you know david still cares it's and he's still a thing yeah, yeah david took that information to heart and he's trying to like get all the information that nate is we all know kind of too afraid to mm-hmm. seek out um and that's his way of his way of helping he's trying Everyone's trying their best, you know, and I think that that's really that's that's very powerful. That's all we can do. Um, anything else about this episode? We didn't really talk about the uh, local funeral director, independent funeral directors luncheon. Bobo, poor Bobo. Oh. But then treacherous Bobo. I know. I love Nate. My Bobo. <laughs> <laughs> like I did. Over Bobo. I did write down uh, woke comrade nate's call to arms here i do think that that's worth highlighting um mm-hmm. when he says where it says the funeral directors yeah they're so busy apologizing to to uh to david for saying offensive things yeah it's like uh, like oh the, like the, like oh i would put a plastic screw through my anus um no offense like, yeah, like, like it's david's face it was like <laughs> clearly that's what no. i do <laughs> Yeah, this is what Nate says um, in his little manifesto. All they care about is money, and it's not just our industry. It's everywhere. When corporations try and squeeze out all the competitors, the further management gets from labor, the more alienation there is in the workplace, and the more meaningless all our lives become. I mean, where was Nate last year during the writer strikes and the actor strikes? Uh, but this is like Nate's, Where was this Nate is who, in the Russian Revolution. <laughs> this um, was the Nate that we yeah. met at the very beginning mm-hmm. of the series, right? This is like the Nate who yeah. wants to, in his own small, limited, privileged way, like change the world and just doesn't really know how. I, and I just want to say, I wonder what Frederico would have to say about alienation in the workplace Ooh. and management <laughs> and labor. Not in my backyard. No. <laughs> you want to check out your own house, Nate, before you. Yes. Don't yeah. throw stones. Your house made of glass. Ugh, that's crazy. Um, um, anything else? I don't know if there's anything else. I think we covered everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a great episode. Really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. We will. We're like, you know, we're just making our way through season two mm-hmm. right now. Um Next episode that we have is called. It's called the plan. The it's called plan. driving Mr. Moss back. Ooh, I don't know what that means. I'm excited you know, to find we'll, out. We'll all find out. But until then, Ariel, where can people keep up to with you? What else do you have going on? Oh my god, so many things. I'm I'm you know doing my best to keep the movie phone train going, uh, covering. New movies with Grace on Pusher Recaps Theater and uh, covering Masters of the Air, the new Apple TV Plus 
series uh, about the Air Force during World War II. Rich and I, my co-host, got together to talk about Band of Brothers and the Pacific, two uh, well-loved miniseries that came before this, same executive producers, same historical time frame. So these shows kind of exist in conversation with themselves. I haven't seen it yet. I'm really excited. I hope it's good. I'm worried about the CGI, to be honest, but whatever. Mm. What about you? Um, honestly, I'm in way too many places right now, Ariel. Everybody <laughs> should be sick of me. Um, I just finished covering The Curse with Grace Leader. We did a season one full spoiler um, feedback podcast talking about everything that happened in the finale and our take on the whole show. That was great to get together and do that. I'm also covering True Detective Night Country with uh, with recaps coming out right after the episodes air on Sunday nights. There's two episodes out right now. I also was a guest on Robin Akiva Need a Podcast over uh, the weekend doing an interview with them, a classic AMA with listener questions. That was a great conversation. I had a good time with that. And I'm also on the episode of Pod Friends that just came out on RHAP in in on uh, interviewed by the great Matt Scott um I got to talk to him about brains and food and all the things basically everything I like to talk about when I'm not talking to Ariel about TV so excited. yeah so um lots of great stuff you can follow uh, me on X where I am at Dr. Amanda R to keep up with everything that I'm doing and of course we're going to be back you and I Ariel next oh, yeah. week talking about driving Mr. Moss back. And until then, dear listeners, rest in peace. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.